Welcome to another installment of Christmas in Quarantine. It's Christmas Past's impromptu miniseries of indeterminate length. Stay subscribed for daily episodes to bring you some Christmas cheer during these uncertain times. Now, I hope that you're staying safe and healthy, practicing all of the common sense guidelines, treating the situation with the seriousness it deserves, and taking your advice only from trained medical professionals. Now, yesterday's episode about He-Man and She-Ra was, technically speaking, Christmas Past's 100th episode. I say technically because that number includes things like season trailers. If we're counting only actual episodes, yesterday was only number 96, and that means today is 97, and 100 arrives on Thursday. This means a couple of important things. First, a celebration is in order. Sharing your voices on the show is one of my favorite things about doing Christmas Past, so please record a voice memo on your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. You can say hi, send a shout out to a loved one, share a Christmas memory, tell a joke, whatever you want. But please send it as soon as you can so I can be sure to include it. Second, it also means that depending on which podcast app you use, you may no longer see some of my earlier episodes. It's typically the case that only 100 episodes are available. Now rest assured that you can always find the entire back catalog at christmaspast.media. It's also likely that in the fall, I'll re-release some of those earlier episodes for people who are recently discovering the show. Okay, now on to today's episode. It's another installment of the game where you have to separate fact from fiction. Yes, it's two truths and a lie, Christmas style. This time we're matching wits with Julia from Tis the Podcast, Dwayne from Tinsel Tunes, and Craig from Weird Christmas. Play along with us and see how you do. I'll be back at the end, but for now, join my friends and me for some festive fibs. <laughs> okay, so my first category is music, of course. So my statements are, before he died, Michael Jackson recorded an entire album of Christmas music, but it was never released. The second one, we know John Lennon and Paul McCartney both released famous Christmas songs, but George Harrison released a New Year song instead. And number three, three of the top 10 selling Christmas records in history are by Mannheim Steamroller. Now, oh. I could... The thing is that these all sound so plausible, and this is a core part of the strategy. I'm... The one that just feels like it must be true is the one about Mannheim Steamroller, because those guys have sold yes. like a trillion, billion, billion dollars. Yeah. That's what I was going to think had to be. But I don't know if it's actually true. Like, I know there are two of them I remember that are really big. But I don't know if this is one of those questions where you're getting really, like, you know, down to the specifics where... You no, I wouldn't do that something. to you. Okay. No. Yeah, it's either all three rather than two in a, an obscure one. It's it's either all three or nothing. So. I'm just trying to imagine, <laughs> yeah. like, Michael Jackson singing Silent Night. Like, what if, if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Part of me, you know, because he did Santa Claus is Coming to Town with the Jackson 5... And they did they did a lot of Christmas songs, I think, as the Jackson Five. But Michael Jackson as a solo artist, that one it's I I'm not really feeling that one. Um and then what was the middle one was how George Harrison did a New Year's song? Yeah. I could buy that one too. I was kind of thinking that too, because I don't know, just with all the other stuff that he was into, you know, just a Christmas song might be a little specific for him, but mm. lots of cultures do New Year's. And he might be more he was thinking more international things a lot of the time. So that that's yeah, that's where I'm going to. I feel like George Harrison would, you know, 
Christmas might be a little beneath him, so he's going to do something like New Year's <laughs> song. Um, I, I, I cannot fathom in my brain Michael Jackson singing any kind of Christmas song ever as Michael Jackson. So I think one's the lie. I, I am locking in on that as well. And you, another uh, uh, sort of mitigating factor is that after his death, isn't his estate, you know, like every year they've released some lost recordings or something like that. Like, I imagine that it would have either come out or been leaked on the Internet by now. Um, so that <laughs> that is. Point. Yeah. So I'm I'm committing. My, that's my final answer. Is it Michael Jackson? Julia, what's your final? Same. Same. Michael Jackson. Total lie. I feel like now I should do something differently just in case, but I'm still going to go with Michael Jackson. Okay. <laughs> well, that is the false one. Oh, so my God. Right. Hooray. Yay. Okay. So. Yeah. I thought it might have been number two that would have got you, but no. Yeah. Well, that, I, was, I was wondering, but now I got to go track down the uh, George Harrison. The song. Yeah. Exactly. It's called Bring Out the Old, Ring in the New. It's from 1974, and it's in the tune of Ding Dong, Ding Dong. Um, it's not that good. Huh. I got about halfway through the video on YouTube and gave up. So that's all right. Yeah. That's 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 pretty par for Beatles guys doing Christmas songs because I can't stand yeah. Paul McCartney's song. So yeah. Same. <laughs> all right, Julia, time for you to lay one on us. Okay, so my category is Christmas Carol adaptations on mm. screen. So here are my three. My first one. A white trashed mom is visited by three ghosts meant to encourage her to turn away from her life of drinking too much, sleeping around, and neglecting her motherly duties. One of her kids' fathers returns as Marley to herald the three ghosts that include a drunken goody two-shoes Christmas past, a washed-up hairband rocker as Christmas present, and Scrooge's hairdresser's mother as the future ghost. Option number two. Told in a one-man show format, the classic tale is retold with an all-star cast of Truman Capote, Groucho Marx, Humphrey Bogart, John Wayne, Edith Bunker, Johnny Carson, and Richard Nixon as Marley, to name a few. Last option. An Animal Kingdom retelling of A Christmas Carol with Scrooge, played by a cranky tabby cat, and the Cratchit family, a group of mice. The setting is an anthropomorphic version of London with the ghosts played by an earnest puppy as past, a jolly elephant as present, and a python as future. Ooh. I so okay. want one I'll, to be I'll, real. I do know, I got to admit, I know number two. That one is Rich Little doing a one-man show, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. And plus, all the... All the people are those sort of, you know, 70s and 80s characters, too, who would have been popular. And I'm pretty sure that's Rich Little doing his impressions as a one-man show. The other two, though, yeah, one, I really want to be true. Yeah, I would watch that. Well, I think number one was mentioned on on your podcast, Julia, a while ago, that there is a movie about that. Well, well, thank you for that, Dwayne, because now I'm going to just uh, use that to my advantage. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's what you get for so listening to this podcast. Yeah, I know. Every episode, time and time again. So uh, one was the the white trash family. Two was the rich little doing his impressions as, in the voice of Christmas Carol characters, and then the third one, oh, the Animal Kingdom one. Um, mm. I would watch all of those. I'm gonna go with three. <laughs> 
that's that's my final answer. I'll just have to see if I trust you on number one because I really don't know. So I'll I'll go with number three too. Well, yeah, I'll stick with my number three though. I'd really like it to be like Top Cat if that was done. <laughs> that sort of that would have been cool. Ah, uh, three is the lie. Oh, three is the lie. So well done on the first one. The first one is All American Christmas Carol from 2013. I would suggest never watching it. It is abysmal. Um, but it does have meatloaf in it. So if you're a meatloaf Yeah, that's fan, that's what I, I remember. You, you mentioned meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. One that's and actually two, become... I no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, Brian, you probably heard about this one too, but um from uh uh, oh shoot tis the season tv uh, but joanna wilson got me onto one that was made in the 60s it was a tv movie where everything was all about um sort of international relations where it was all more about like cold war politics and scrooge was this guy and it was basically whether or not he should be involved in the united nations or not oh. and it's just heavily serious um it, and yeah you can only find it but it's just odd mood because it's like a made for tv movie um and you can find it on youtube i forget exactly what it was called though i'll have to go check but um but yeah it was it was a remake that always stood out as the strangest one that i know so. well i'll tell you speaking of a christmas carol i just had john clinch on my show he's the author of a book called marley which is the prequel to a christmas carol and if you guys are looking for a good book to read oh my goodness it is wonderful uh, it is just really, really good. Just super well written, a really good story. It's not at all like a Christmas Carol. Like it's a really dark atmosphere, kind of almost like a noir kind of uh, thing going on. But I love. That's one of the best books I've read this year. Wow, Marley by John. Check that Lynch. out. Yeah. All right, Craig, kill us. Okay, so I did not have single statements. I apologize. Um, I just <laughs> I write too much, so be here. But okay, so our our. This will be easier, easy or hard, depending on how much you know about saints. So we all know that St. Nicholas Ooh. was our famous saint, but we're going to talk about different Christmas saints. So two of these are real people, and or let me put it this way. They're all real people, but two of them are true stories about Christmas and saints. So first, St. Lucy. She was a martyr from Syracuse who refused to marry a pagan. And Emperor Diocletian tried to kill her in a variety of ways, which failed. And the last thing he tried to do pretty famously was cut out her eyes. But she didn't die from any of these ways until she took communion. So because of that, because of being blinded, and that her name means light, she became a saint of the blind and a saint of light and things like that. But her saint's day is also on December 13th which is in the old Scandinavian calendar, was also the winter solstice. So a lot of celebrations in Scandinavia have a big part where the celebrations include children dressing up as St. Lucy and wearing a wreath of candles on their heads. That's the first one, St. Lucy. Second is St. Andrew. You'll find this tradition in many places, but especially in Russia and Scotland. His feast day is November 30th. And it's traditional to recite St. Andrew's Christmas Novena every day from November 30th to Christmas. And a St. Andrew, or a Novena, I should say, is a prayer that's usually meant to be repeated often nine times, but his is special because you repeat it 15 times a day. And if you do it 15 times a day from November 30th all the way up to Christmas Day, then supposedly St. Andrew will grant your Christmas wish after that. Okay, that's the second one, St. Andrew and the Novena. And third is St. Anthony. So in many South American countries, it's common to pray to St. Anthony around Christmas time. Some say you do it just during Epiphany. Others do it from the time leading up to Christmas. But 
wherever you do it, whichever time, uh, in order for the prayer to work, each day you pray and you ask for a blessing on a loaf of bread or some other kind of bread dish or, or bread item, and you leave it out for St. Anthony. And if you do that for the entire period up to Epiphany or usually 12 days around then, you'll have his blessing and his protection throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. Three different Christmas stories. Now, point Since of clarification, Christmas. which... Yeah. Um, when it comes to what is truth versus what is lie, like obviously those three saints exist. So are we yes. are we debating whether the tradition? So the options the, are just the tradition. Yeah, okay, all three so of the, them are real, but just are those actual Christmas traditions or just traditions associated with them? Okay, and to yeah. recap, the traditions are the the wreath of candles on the head, mm -hmm. the repeated prayers, and the blessing on mm -hmm. on a bread dish. Yes. Okay. And I'm not doing anything picky, like saying, you know, oh, it's only 10 days. And I said 12 days, nothing like that. It's the whole, the whole story. Well, I, here's okay. what I think. Here's my thought process. Uh, I do know that there is a tradition of wearing the candle wreath on the head. I do know it's a Scandinavian thing. Not sure if that's St. Lucy or not. I grew up in Boston where St. Anthony's feast was a big thing in the Italian North End, but that was always in the mm -hmm. summer. So I'm mm -hmm. leading toward that not being a Christmas thing, just based on that alone. And then St. Andrew with the repeated prayer. That sounds plausible enough. It seems like a pretty common thing to do. Um, so that's where I'm leaning. I don't know. Julia, what are you thinking? So I have a beautiful painting of St. Lucy in my house with the wreath on her head that I put up every Christmas from a local artist who paints. And she's fantastic. Um, so that one feels legit to me. Um, as I am not of... Catholic or formal type religion. I don't know a whole lot about saints other than that. Um, St. Anthony feels, I mean, aside from the spring or summer that you just said, Brian, I'm going to ignore that I heard that because that with the bread feels more <laughs> legitimate to me. <laughs> so I'm going to say that I think St. Lucy and St. Anthony are right. And that who is it? St. Who in the middle? Andrew. St. Andrew and the Novena in the middle. I'm going to say that's the lie. Okay. I'm leaning towards two because the Chris, the ghost of Christmas present had a wreath on his head, and I think that was sort of come from maybe St. Lucy having a wreath. The bread, is, as you say, is plausible, but who has time to say a prayer 15 times a day for a month <laughs> and a half or so? Let me introduce you to my grandmother. <laughs> so I'm thinking number two as well. Okay, right. so, so, so that's maybe that's Brian, the catch. Said... Maybe I... that's the catch. If you stick with the 15 prayers a day, it's only those people that get the gifts at Christmas. <laughs> and so I don't know from a from a production line assembly perspective, that might be doable yeah. for it. Okay, so uh, Dwayne and Julia are saying that it's number two, which is the lie. Uh, just to make it a little more interesting, I'm going to stick with mine, uh, just to add a little diversity of thought to this process. So I, I still think it's St. Anthony. Come what may, I'm, that's, I'm locking in on that as my final answer. All right. We ready? Well, Brian, you are correct. St. Yeah. Andrew's Novena, it actually is a big thing to say the prayer 15 times a day for an entire wow. month. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's that, a little prayer about baby Jesus and, and yeah. Say it over and over and over again. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, and Saint Lucie. I figured most people might know about Saint Lucie, and and the uh, the wreath of candles is normal. It used to be very common for people actually to come out with a platter holding uh, two eyes on it as well for her eyes that had been plucked out. But nowadays they don't do that quite so much. So yeah. I thought throwing that in there might seem too. Eyes are a bit hard to come by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Now it is my turn, and your category is eggnog. Okay, here's statement number one. Technically speaking, the drink can only be called eggnog if it contains alcohol. A virgin eggnog is known as a mundle, M-U-N-D-L-E. Statement number two. In 1826, a drunken Christmas party broke out at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, an event enshrined in history as the eggnog riot. Or is it statement three? Rum is a popular alcohol to add to eggnog, but that's mostly only in America. And that's because the preferred liquor of Madeira came with too high of a tariff, and it was cheaper to get rum from the Caribbean. Yeah. Good one. I don't know why. I have no reason to believe that that West Point story is true, but I feel like maybe I've heard it somewhere. (laughs) But that's totally one of those random intuition things. I'm not sure, though. Hmm. The other two, I just, I really don't know. You better not, if you tell us, we'll just believe it. I'll tell you at the end of it. But I think it's number one, um, because I think eggnog has had alcohol in it in any country, Mm -hmm. not just America. So I think the lie is number one. Okay. Dwayne is locking in at number one. Julia, it sounds like you are too. Yes, I am. Okay. Craig? Hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? Just to be different, I'll go with number three just because something about Madeira is sticking out for me, and I'm not sure why. Okay. So, yeah, I'll stick. I'll try number three. Time for the big reveal. It was actually number one. Uh, so Yay! eggnog has always had alcohol in it. Think back in the days before, you know, pasteurizing and refrigeration. You'd have to put alcohol in any uh, dairy-based drink. Um, there's no such thing as a virgin eggnog, and a mundle is an actual thing, but it's actually an old English word for a wooden spoon. Yeah. Yeah, fancy. Cool. The West Point uh, story is correct. Yep. Eggnog Riot. The Eggnog yeah. Riot, yeah, also known as the yeah. Grog Mutiny, is an actual thing. Uh, and it, it's also <laughs> true that, um, yeah, I mean, you could put almost any kind of alcohol in eggnog. Uh, brandy is another popular one. Uh, but yeah, in Europe, it was usually some kind of like port wine or, or dessert wine. But over here, it's just easier to get stuff from the Caribbean. So that's why we put rub in it. And I think it was George Washington that was in the eggnog riots. Was it George Washington? I don't believe so. I think it was just a bunch of kids from the military. Yeah. Uh, uh, George Washington, Because I heard the story on the... Sorry. No, no. So he famously published his own personal eggnog recipe, which contained, I think, three different right. kinds of liquors for it. Yeah. And I originally right. heard the story on the My Merry Christmas podcast years ago. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think one of those other like stuff you missed in history class has a whole episode about the eggnog riot. It's it's a really interesting story, but um, it can be summarized as a, a bunch of cadets just got wasted on Christmas morning. Um, it was essentially the the equivalent of of like sneaking a keg into your dorm. Like they had to, it was all illegal. They had to sneak everything in. It very quickly got out of hand, and it's military history now. <laughs> Okay, so that was the end of round one. And, like, I haven't really been doing an awesome job of keeping score. So why don't we just say we're all doing a great job. And we'll move on to, <laughs> we'll move on to round two. <laughs> There's no prize anyway, so it's all good. Okay, Dwayne, time for you, time for, you for, your, for your next one. Next slot. Okay, so this one is about decorations. And statement number one is tinsel was first invented in the early 1600s in Germany and was made of real silver. 
It has also been made of lead and was later banned by the US government as it could continue, uh, sorry, con contribute to lead poisoning. Uh, number two is the US President Harry S. Truman banned the Christmas tree from the White House for environmental reasons in 1948 to 1951. And number three, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra can thank an Ohio electrical engineer for making their Christmas tunes holiday staples. Okay. That makes sense. Now, yeah. something immediately so jumped out to me. Yeah. And, okay, I don't want to say too much, but I also want to say, I think there's something about one of those questions, Dwayne, you can just sort of wink if I'm correct, that, like, it's partly... Yeah, they can see me, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's partly true that something like this did happen, but one of the details has been changed. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are. Okay. All right. And that's all. I'm not going to say anything more until it's time to lock in our votes. I'm trying to think what would have happened in 48 to 51 that would have made Truman, you said for environmental reasons, why he would have not had a tree there. And that's kind of pre-environmentalism, so it doesn't seem like... Yeah, did they even care about the environment back then? Not quite in the same way. When was the Clean Air Act passed? In the you still had conservationism, but that's definitely yeah. a little different from... Well, and honestly, I know almost nothing about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, so I have no idea about number three. Yeah, I mean, I know, one of those things I know that... the big thing, but I've never wanted to go to a show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You said the Trans-Siberian Orchestra one is that they had to hire an electrical engineer? No, so they can thank an um, electrical engineer for making their Christmas tunes holiday staples. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's true because yeah. you said the word electrical and you said Trans-Siberian Orchestra in the same sentence. And mm -hmm. given the, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the massive amounts of electric guitar they use, I think that's true. Um, also, the first one, Germany creating tinsel and it being, you know, real metals at some point and the lead poisoning that all seems real to me because, you know, Germany is killing it in the Christmas game. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say that's true. The second one I think is not true because same reason as Craig, I, I can't fathom why Truman would have had an environmental concern enough to not put a Christmas tree in the white house. Um, Unless, and I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong, but, but when you said, one of them had just a slight detail. I feel like now I remember some president having an allergy to pine or something like that, or his wife doing that. Could that oh. have been a reason? I'm and not you sure. Know, this is apropos of nothing, but uh, Andrew Jackson actually staged a snowball fight inside the, the White House one time. Uh, oh, my gosh. During a dinner Did you party. talk about that? Did you talk about that one time? I don't think on the so. Show? It was fake that, snow. It came up on something. It was a yeah. Christmas dinner party, and they had fake snow, I think, made out of cotton stuffing or something like that. Okay, well, the, the time has come to lock in our votes. Uh, and I, I believe number two is the lie in this case. And it sounds like everyone else does too. Yep, I think so. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so number two is the lie, but not for the reasons you think. Okay. It was actually, it was actually Teddy Roosevelt mm -hmm. in that year, not Truman. So he was just the next president in the list, and I just swapped their names out. And the reason it was Teddy Roosevelt is because I think, Brian, you mentioned about the teddy bear story. Mm -hmm. um, the teddy, teddy bears are named after Teddy Roosevelt um, because he was about the environment. That yep. was, huh. Yeah, so it was actually the, a different president. 
And then the um, something else that happened Sorry. once he banned the Christmas tree, his son snuck one, sneaked one into the White House and hid it in the sewing room upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just on number three, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, that was the song that was on YouTube in a Carson Williams lighting video where he programmed lights on the outside of his house mm-hmm. to that tune and became one of YouTube's first viral videos. And that's how the Trans-Siberian Orchestra became mm. a Christmas staple because of that one video. Gotcha. Yeah. And the nice. tinsel one was dead correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Julia. Okay. Um, my category this time is Christmas Eats. So basically, which one of these is not a special holiday dish from the past? First option. Jellied confetti chicken. Uh, it's a mixture of chicken, veggies, mayonnaise, lemon juice, and gelatin. And it's topped with heavy cream to imitate the look of snow. Sounds delightful. Number two, outstuffed turkey. It's a savory stuffing dish where the stuffing itself is stuffed with sh- a mixture of shredded turkey, mashed potatoes, and cranberry sauce. And it's baked inside of a fluted pan, so when you cut it into slices, it's the stuffing on the outside and the, the meat mixture on the inside. I would eat that. For presentation. <laughs> the last one is birds inside a hollowed-out seal. Hundreds of little birds preserved inside of a hollowed-out seal body. This is horrific. <laughs> I really hope that is... I hope the third one is true, because otherwise that meant it comes from your twisted mind, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't like that jelloed things have now shown up twice on your game show, Brian, mm. because you had jelloed things last time too. And jello <laughs> food just should not happen. It was so, so big in the unfortunately, 60s and 70s. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Mm, I'm afraid that one might actually be real though cuz yeah, that actually yeah. turns me off more than the seal. I hate to say. But, the seal uh, one it's like it's too specific and weird to not be true. And the middle one just sounds delicious. Like, I would totally make that tonight if I could. <laughs> but in saying that, you know, you can get, what is it, a, a chicken inside a duck inside a turkey? Yeah. Well, you, you it's a turducken. You see, it's we don't delight. have that over here. Um, <laughs> we shouldn't so have that over here. Seal, no, <laughs> that seems plausible, but I don't think it is. I think that's the lie. I, I just, I'm going to say that's a lie just because I want that to be true. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> mm, so what do I go with? It didn't work out when I went the opposite way last time, but I'll do it again. I'll, I'll try the seal. I'll try the seal being wrong. The final answer is all around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The outstuffed turkey is not a thing. Oh. But that horrific bird's nest inside a hollowed out seal is. It's called Kavak and it's from Greenland. Wow. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots Did of seal, right? Say, wow. In Greenland, most people live around the, the perimeter, right? Because it's too cold inland. Same with Iceland. So you'd see, yeah, seals would probably be a part of their diet. Mm-hmm. And tiny yeah. hundreds of little birds inside of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually uh, the turducken. There's another old dish from England called something like the Yorkshire Christmas pie. Which is basically like a turducken in a pastry crust. It actually it sounds pretty good, as a matter of fact. Huh. Um, but it was all kinds of other meats and yeah, but the same basic idea, the sort of like Russian doll of of Christmas 
Well, now it fits. Right? Yeah. Be fine. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Okay, Craig, you're up. All right. Second question. Oops, got to find it again. Sorry. Um, okay, we're going to go with Christmas monsters. Mm. Uh, so everybody knows Krampus, but we're going to go far away from Krampus for this one. So three different monsters, only one of these is false. So first are the Calicanzaros, which are small Greek goblins who live underground and spend most of the year trying to cut down the tree that holds up the world. During the 12 days of Christmas, though, they emerge and they play pranks on all Christian believers. Mm -hmm. So that's the first monster. Second, in ancient Scandinavian traditions, the Yule boar was hunted around the solstice as a sacrifice to prevent it from holding open the doorway to the spirit world. Without sacrificing a boar, Vikings thought that the next year would be full of hauntings and bad luck. And although the meat was left as a sacrifice, the chieftains would feast on the head on the solstice itself. And three, in Poland, people don't go out on Christmas Eve night because that's when Christmas werewolves roam around looking for victims. And werewolves are children who were born on Christmas Day and are punished for having the presumption to be born on the same day as baby Jesus. But this one night, they're allowed to wander. Okay. I will Ooh, say I happen Greek to know Christmas one goblins. of these is true. That's right. So Greek Christmas goblins, the Yule boar in the old Viking traditions, and Polish werewolves. See, to me, the Vikings sound true because it sounds like it's something that they would really do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The tree one, that's, it sounds pretty cool, and it does <laughs> sound like it's a true fable if that makes any sense. So it didn't actually mm -hmm. happen, obviously, but it's it could be a true fable. I think it's number three. I don't think there's Christmas werewolves. <laughs> I was thinking more like, yeah, because I'm trying to sort of reason this out. Uh, you know, in the States, we don't have a lot of goblins or fairies associated with Christmas, right? It's elves, mm -hmm. flying reindeer, and you know, maybe sometimes a fairy, like in a cartoon special. But we don't have a lot, or we don't now. We used to, uh, but we don't currently have a lot of, like, supernatural stuff happening at Christmas. Mm -hmm. But let's see. The wolves and the boar are both animals, right? And the goblins... See, the thing is, a lot of our Christmas traditions come from, the, you know, the sort of European folklore tradition. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of these elfin witch-like characters. That's kind of where the elves came from. Uh, so that one's plausible, but I I think that one's the lie. That, so you're think, going with the Greek elves? I'm going with the, the Greek elves. goblins? Yeah. Okay. And that was the first one, right, right. with the tree mm -hmm. holding up? Okay. Yeah. That one feels real to me because it feels kind of like the Yule Lads a little bit. Um so that one felt real. The second one felt real with the boar. I think it's the wolves too. I'm I'm with Dwayne on this one. I, I think it's the the wolves is the lie. Okay. okay. All locked in. All locked. Yep. Locked in. I stumped you. It was the <gasps> boar. The boar is false. Oh, the other wow. ones are real. Yep. So wow, the boar. I just I, there is the boar's head carol. Boar's head carol. Which is mm -hmm. uh, an old English carol. I just made it up after that. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be. I mean, well there. done, because so, I heard boar yeah. and I'm like, that's Christmassy. That's got to be. Pass over that yeah. one. It's true. Exactly. But no, the it's other things are real. Yeah, the werewolves. Poland, Poland yeah. Christmas werewolves are a real, it's an old tradition, but it's sort of a, a thing. Yeah, that if you're born on Christmas Day, it's actually terrible luck. And they tell you that. Yeah, basically you're cursed in one way. So the werewolf story kind of grew up around that. And then the other one, um, the Greek elves, that actually showed up on an episode of the um, that show Supernatural. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I saw that and I was like, I've got to go find out if that's true or not. And sure enough, yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. documentary. There's lots of I, proof, proof of it. I yeah. should have known that. I'm a huge Supernatural fan. I didn't even click. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I, should have known I thought they had just made it up for the show, but I went and looked it up. And sure enough, it was a real thing. Yeah. Oh, the shame, the shame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I'm leaving Craig, now. <laughs> you're the first one to stump, absolutely stump the entire game, Craig. Even I from the so. pre- past episode that we did, yeah. So I don't know. You get a. Well, yeah, you said past episode, you get extra points for that, right? Yes. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm not. I was trying to keep score at the beginning, but I totally messed it up. So we're we're all winners. Yeah, I missed. Yeah. I missed a couple, so now I'm just on par with everybody okay. else. <laughs> Your category for this question is a Christmas carol. Okay, here's statement number one. Charles Dickens wrote the story as a plan B. After reading a government report on the effects of the Industrial Revolution on working class children, he planned to publish a political pamphlet in response. But he decided that he could get his message across more effectively with a Christmas story. That was number one. Number two, a 1997 television adaptation was gender-reversed, casting Cicely Tyson in the starring role as a character named Ebenita Scrooge. Or is it number three, a pirated American version from 1848 makes significant changes to the plot and character arcs, including that Scrooge doesn't double Cratchit's salary, but simply allows him to increase his earnings by giving him extra work shifts. That sounds way too modern. It's hard to keep track. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, the extra so, work shifts to make more money seems totally like something that would happen now, not a not wow. 150 years ago. Hmm. Or maybe I'm just being too cynical. Um, <laughs> so number one seems. Gender... So you go. I think the gender swapping sounds completely legitimate. So I'm going to say that one's true. Gender swapping is not a new thing. It's been around for a while, right? So that seems accurate, and I would watch it. Um, Three. Oh, between three and one. One was that he was originally going to do a political pamphlet. That that seems real to me, too. Mm -hmm. The whole industrial thing. Um, The Man Who Invented Christmas that came out a few years ago kind of puts kind of a heavy stress on the whole industrial effects in his own personal life and what that was like for this father. So that seems real. I think three is the lie. Okay. What's everyone else say? You know what? I, I mean, I read the book that man of Vinny Christmas, which is not really a story, which is more of the history. And I'm trying to remember. I don't feel like that came up, but I could have just misremembered, but I'm, I'm going to go with one. I'm going to go with Dickens and it, not that it was initially a pamphlet. I mean, he's he's very much a story guy. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Number one, though, then I was going to flip number three because of what Julia just said. Mm-hmm. But I'm going, but I'm going back to number one just because yeah, I think he set out to write the book and not a pamphlet. Well, Julia was correct. Number three is the lie. Oh. So that was, and there actually is a slight grain of truth in number three because um, his work was pirated and plagiarized a bunch of times. That's actually part of the reason it really caught on here in the States. Um, but yeah, he was originally going to, he had toured some kind of tin mines, like the Cornish tin mines, where, you know, due to the effects of the Industrial Revolution, uh, working class families would send their like eight year old kids to go work in mines. And he mm-hmm. just said, this is unacceptable. And so he wanted to put out some kind of pamphlet. And then he said, no, 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 it's going to be better if I publish a popular story. Um, and even so, like the, you know, the 
story itself is very clearly about class structure and things like that, but mm-hmm. there really wasn't too, too much about working children in there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, and there there really is a 1997 adaptation with Cicely Tyson as Ebenita Scrooge. Ebenita. Ebenita. It was actually the name that made me not not go for that one. I was like, Ebenita. That just doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, so that concludes the end of round two. And again, we're all doing great. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> for the third and final round, Dwayne, kick us off. Right. So this one is on movies. So this will be interesting. So number one is some of Gene Shepard's stories that eventually made it into the movie A Christmas Story script were first published in Playboy. Number two. Will Farrell has finally agreed to do a sequel to Alf and it's due for release at Christmas 2022. And the plot is rumored to be that Buddy takes up the mantle of Santa Claus after the current Santa's time is up. And number three, in Home Alone, the scene where Kevin looks at the photo of Buzz's girlfriend, the director thought it would be mean to use an actual photo of a girl. So his, the art director's son was done up to look like a girl and they used that one instead. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, let's recap. I'm gonna go those. last on this one. Yeah, I was gonna say you're mentioning movies, so you would you seem like you would have to know way more than that. That's also why I didn't do any movie or Christmas or music questions because I knew you guys would know everything. So. Okay, well here is what I am thinking. Um, I I it rings a bell that Will Ferrell has been offered all the money in the world to do a sequel to Elf. But at least at least one time in an interview, he said that he's not interested in in doing that character again. But, you know, who knows how those things change? Maybe that could be a, a bargaining ploy, you know, to get a higher salary, or maybe he just changed his mind. But that one feels like it could be true. And I'm sorry, the first one again, what was that? Um, some of Gene Shepard's stories that eventually made it into the movie were first published oh, in Playboy. Playboy. That, that also... one I was trying yeah. to remember because he did so many radio pieces and he would read the stories out loud. I'm not not saying that he didn't couldn't have published him in playboy but i know that he was really known for his voice and reading them on the radio a lot of the time so that was what i was i was trying to remember hmm but that's not necessarily a reason that's wrong um yeah i'm holding back because this is another example where i happen to know that one of them is either definitely true or definitely false but i'm not going to not try not to give anything away um so i'm not going to comment i was kind of feeling I was feeling the same way with you about the elf thing, though, because I feel like, you know, somebody would have sent me something about that at some point, just all thrilled to death, but maybe not. I don't <laughs> and know. Also, you would have gotten a text from somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many, like, a Google alerts for goofy things. Certainly it would have popped up in one of those. Um, but I'm also trying to think, like, if the the thing that would tip that as being false is the fact that it's supposed to come out in 2022 because every movie right now, their production schedule has been totally blown out of the water with the COVID thing. So like, I think for that reason alone, I don't think any movie in production now is, is going to come out in 2022, whether it has Will Ferrell in it or not. <laughs> so I'm go I'm locking in on number two. I think I'll stick with elf. I'll stick with elf too for this one. I think two is, is the lie. Well, perhaps I should have put 2024 because that is the lie. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be cool to have Buddy Sector. I would cry real tears if there was an if there was an elf sequel. Yeah, so would I. 
and I, 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 I like Elf, but I like to like make my Twitter fo- Twitter followers mad by saying mad, mean things about it all the time. So <laughs> that's why I was like, somebody would have done something because a few people think I actually legitimately hate the movie, but no. Oh, but he might make a good scene to one day. Yeah, I can well, the that. plot totally. the plot yeah. seems reasonable. I was like, what if you're going to have an elf plot? You can't have him go back to the real world necessarily oh, now. Yeah. So that would work. Have him be Santa. You should you should write that script and submit it to him. Maybe we will have an maybe we will yeah, have you an got elf the elevator in 2024. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still trying to write a song about the reindeer that Tom suggests I should do. Okay, Julia, what do you have for us? Okay, my last one. This is the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was terrified I was going to have to come up with something on the fly, so sorry. Last one. Um, Santa portrayals in film or TV. All right, so basically one of these three actors has not portrayed Santa in film or TV. Kevin Klein, Isaac Hayes, and Brian Cranston. Okay. Oh, that's good. I'm going to ask mm. for, a, for a point of clarification. Does okay. por- Does portray Santa mean that they had a significant role in a TV show or a movie where they played Santa, or like they they just happen to be wearing a Santa hat in a scene or or something? Like, does play Santa mean something specific? It is a proper portrayal of Santa. Got it. Okay. Yes. So it's not like just chef dressed up as Santa no. Claus in South no, Park no. or something. Okay. Who was the first one again? Kevin Klein. Oh, yeah. That one feels like he's just been in so many things. Just sort of like by statistics alone, I kind of feel like he must have portrayed Santa at some point in some way. (laughs) Isaac Hayes. I don't know. Like, I'd I'd watch that. I I just don't recall that ever happening. Brian Cranston. Um, hmm. And can portrayed mean like in a cartoon, like the, the voice actor or? Um, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Opens up a lot okay. of possibilities. Here. I feel like one of them I remember being a cartoon Santa one time. Okay. You know, maybe Isaac Hayes. That's what I'm thinking. Like South Park. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian Cranston seems like the kind of guy who would play a Santa. Maybe on, was he on the middle? Oh, right. That Malcolm is Brian in the middle. Princeton, yes. Yeah. yeah. Or did he, you know, Breaking Bad, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> and portray, like, and just to be totally nitpicky specific, we're talking about television or movies, right? Not like on stage or? No, film and TV. This okay. is film and TV. Got it. I'm leaning towards number one. Yeah, I feel like all I can do is guess, so... For just to pick one at random, I'll say number one too. Because I think two and three are more likely to be Santa. Maybe I'll I'll go with Brian Cranston though. Um, I'm gonna stick in because I feel like I kind of remember Kevin Klein doing something once. So I'll go with Brian Cranston. And I don't know why we're all we all seem like we just assume Isaac Hayes. Of course he was Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> glorious. Um, so the actor that has never played Santa in film or TV is actually Kevin Klein. Mm-hmm. Which surprised me. Um, Isaac Hayes portrayed Santa in a 1993 television show, The Pullmans, mm-hmm. which oh, I can't I even find that. on the I interwebs. Think. So was it live action or was it? I think so. If it's what I okay. remember. But I may, okay. be, I may be just making stuff up. 
I don't know. Okay. And then Brian Cranston was on a TV show called The Santa Claus Brothers in 2001. Hmm. But Kevin Klein to date hasn't, which is shocking. That is shocking. Okay, Craig, final All question right. for us. Last one. Well, those last couple were very fun. So let's do something sad, like Christmas illnesses. Oh. That seems like something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now. So yeah. <laughs> Three Christmas illnesses. One of these um, is not a thing. So first is Christmas disease or hemophilia B, which leads to easy bruising and bleeding. It's usually minor compared to hemophilia A, which people can bleed to death. But it can be particularly dangerous to athletes because it causes internal bleeding in joints that can go unnoticed. It's named the Christmas disease not because you'll get all red from bleeding, but because the first documented patient was named Stephen Christmas. So that's the first one, Christmas disease. Right. Second, Christmas tree rash or tyriasis rosacea, rosea, sorry, is an itchy, scaly rash that usually appears first as a single patch on the chest, abdomen, or back. It then spreads as small patches to other parts of the back, chest, and neck. It's not caused by allergies, but is usually due to a virus and often follows like a common cold. And the rash may form a pattern on your back that resembles a Christmas tree. That's the second one. And then three, when artificial tree flocking began, the earliest white paints and dyes used were lead-based and led to a string of childhood illnesses and allergies. Although most flocking had abandoned lead-based paint after the 60s, some brands, most notably that by Montgomery Wards, which invented Rudolph, still sold lead-based painted artificial trees up until the paint was outlawed in 1978. Oh, man. Hmm. <laughs> Two of those are real and one is false. You sure they're not all real because yeah those all sound, sound real the one about the <laughs> rash a christmas tree shaped rash i'm having trouble visualizing because he said a christmas tree pattern so that would that mean many christmas trees or like one big christmas tree for your rash so that's it was from seems too so specific one, really, doesn't it yeah the, um, so now I'm in that weird position where if I answer, then maybe I give you more details, and you yeah. can, well, and it's like yeah. to make something up. So I, can well, just I think make three is true up. because of one, the one big Christmas tree, one big Christmas tree rash. Well, okay. on your <laughs> well, because I think <laughs> the one about the the flocking has to be real because like every all paint had lead way back in the day, so of course that paint would as well. The mm -hmm. hemophilia one sounds like specific enough the reason i'm hesitating on number two is because you actually had a latin sounding name for the disease so either that disease exists but you're just misdescribing it to to throw us off or you totally like came up with a, a new name for a non-existent disease i did flub the pronunciation i'll have to admit I can well didn't again. you say roseola too <laughs> uh it's uh pityriasis rosea okay i mean rosea is a word that's similar yeah. to Rashy yeah. types. Yeah, I think so I said rosacea funny. once, but that's that's when you get like red cheeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my like face. That. That's a rash. <laughs> yep. My gut instinct is, the, is number two. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking too. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. All right. Because number in. one sounds really familiar for some reason. Like I read something in a Sports Illustrated about some athlete that had it or something. Yeah. Well, I found out because actually I was going to do. 
I figured just like Brian, you're doing, I was going to try and do a random show on Christmas illness and all kinds of depressing things for right now. The answer is actually the Christmas tree lead. So you were wrong. Really? Oh, really? And I looked this up to find out. I was like, because I just had the idea and I'm like, certainly that stuff was like lead based paint. It was never paint though. It was always some kind of material that they put on there that was white. And I couldn't find any actual evidence of using the flocking for paint or something like that. Now there may be some out there, like if those blue trees, maybe they did it, but, but the whole thing about Montgomery Ward, that's all made up. So, but no, the, the, I actually had to, my wife's in, in healthcare and I had to ask her how to pronounce that pityriasis rosea. Um, and she knew about both these things, like right off the top of her head. She's like, well, yeah, there's Christmas disease, but it has nothing to do with Christmas. And she's like, I think it was just the guy who was named and sure enough. Yeah. So now I'm going to go Google some rashes. Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah. And, and Christmas tree <laughs> rosa. Yeah. Apparently they're so, they're pictures and it's just kind of like you get these little, I'm, I'm doing in motion, which is great for a podcast, right? On, on the yeah. little camera. Skype. But, but no, where you have uh, sort of branches that go off from the middle and they kind of spread out in different lengths and it, it can look a little bit like a Christmas tree down your spine. Huh. Yeah. Well, Dwayne wow. had a, a correct that's a one two about. Stumper. Yeah. I'm saying Dwayne had a question about lead because it is true that the tinsel was once made mm-hmm. of lead. Yeah. Which which yep. made it not only toxic but also super heavy. Like it was not, you know, <laughs> today it's made out of plastic, but it used to be very very heavy. All right, guys, it's time to bring it on home with our last question. And this question is about mince pies. So before we start, does anyone like mince pies? I do actually. But I remember oh thinking it was supposed to be super sweet and then they got it and it's like oh it's a little mint meat pie meat and nut pie mm. and at least the one that i had that they said was real i feel like mince pies are, are in the same class as fruitcake where it's like really divisive that there's no middle ground it's either you love it or you just hate it uh, mm. personally i love fruitcake I, I i don't understand where all the hate comes from fruitcake <laughs> is good fruitcake and I did a whole episode about this. It was actually banned in Europe, in continental Europe for, I forget which century it was, because it was considered like too good, like almost sinfully good. Um, and then it wasn't until like maybe the 60s or 70s in America that it became like everyone started joking about it. Anyway, with that, let me get to my three facts about mince pie. Fact number one, it was once common to bake mince pies in the shape of a manger along with a pastry baby Jesus placed on top. Statement number two, the British Puritans banned everything related to Christmas in the 17th century, including mince pies. But even after that ban was was lifted, due to a quirky technicality, mince pies remain illegal under British law to this day. In theory, you could receive a fine for making or eating one. Or is it statement three, mince pies were also once known as shred pies in reference to the filling being made of shredded meat? So I could totally see how they would still be illegal. I mean, British law is even weirder than American law, and we have some weird laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so the shredded thing, every time I've seen it, mince meat means finely chopped and not shredded. But I don't, I don't know if I'm overthinking that one there or overthinking. Well, they're very different. Way. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a valid. I don't know that you'd ever go from a shredded substance to a mint substance to where you would change the name. You would never confuse a shredded pie for a mince pie. And then what was the first one? Uh, that it was once common to bake them in the shape of a manger along with a pastry baby Jesus placed on top. Yeah, that just seems really hard, so it's probably true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bakers are ambitious people, especially at Christmas time. And then eating the baby Jesus, that's like, is that? Mm. Mm. 
all sacrilegious. Yeah. Um, I, I think trying to get it to hold its shape in the oven would be quite hard too. Mm. Would be. And if is it a manger or is it a historically accurate cave? <laughs> because I know Tom on Tis the Podcast would have something to gripe about when it comes to historically inaccurate nativity. <laughs> 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 that would be even trickier now that you say that. I think three is um, the lie. Shred pies versus mm. okay. I think one's the lie. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Julie though. I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick with shred. Okay, are we locked in on that? Yeah. Yep. All right. Craig, I'm sorry to say you are now no longer the only person to have stumped the group. It was actually number, uh, number two. Um, uh, so, like, they're perfectly legal to eat, by the way, everyone. You are safe to eat a mince pie. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the mince pie itself has a lot of religious uh, symbolism. So when fruit was added, and I haven't done enough research on this, but I think fruit and alcohol were added as a kind of preservative for the meat. And then eventually the meat was taken out and it was just fruits. But either way, the fruits are supposed to represent the gifts of the three wise men. And it was common to bake it into the shape of a manger and put a pastry Jesus on top. And the Puritans referred to that as idolatry in crust. They thought it was a form of, of idolatry. Mm -hmm. And this, the reason that we now have the, the popular shape for mince pies was that people who still wanted to have them needed a way to sort of like slip through the loophole. So they just created these like lattice. I think the, the lattice top pie was comes from mince pies. Uh, so it was true then that they were banned along with everything else under the Puritans. And specifically that was that it was a form of idolatry. You could be fined, if I'm not mistaken, it was like five shillings, which is like 50 bucks in today's money. Uh, and that, yes, mince pies were once known as shred pies because so yeah. it must be one of those etymological things where mince and shred probably have a common root and eventually mm -hmm. just diverged because Julia's right to mince, to chop or to shred are three distinctly different things. But there you have it. Man. If only I was British, I might know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so a final tally of the scores is that we all did great. So... <laughs> <laughs> We're all winners, and Craig and I have the distinction of stumping the group. I think that's how we'll play next time we do one of these. Is there you go. You win if you stump everybody. But Less pressure that, on you to keep score, too. Yes, exactly. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done, everybody. You're all great at telling the truth and great at making up lies and great at sharing your Christmas spirit during the COVID-19 crisis. So, Dwayne, Julia, and Craig, thank you so much for joining me on Christmas Pass today. Thanks, Thanks. for doing it, Brian. No worries. So how did you do? I'll bet you did better than you thought you would. Before I let you go, let me remind you one more time that I would love to share your voice on my 100th episode, and that's coming up soon. So again, please record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. You can say anything you'd like to share with the rest of the Christmas Past family. Now I'll be back again tomorrow as always, and until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in sunny San Mateo, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. You can also connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and if you haven't yet joined the private Christmas Past Facebook group, maybe today's the day you will. And if you're enjoying these daily episodes, I have a feeling there are other people in your life who could also use a little Christmas spirit right about now. So why not help more people discover the show? It's as simple as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. These are quick and painless ways to show your support, but they really do make a big difference, and I appreciate them. 
So if you do leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll send you an official Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten note of gratitude as my way of saying thanks. Message me for details about that. Until tomorrow, stay safe and healthy, look out for one another, and may your days be merry and bright.